So we have been talking about um, our call to prepare. We want to be ready for something. Um, I was joking and I said um, during the Greek time, I said, so are you ready for school tomorrow? And, and uh, <laughs> your brother said, we don't have school tomorrow. But you were like, I'm ready anyway. I was like, yeah, way to go. I'm still ready. Um, there's a lot of things that we have coming up. Sometimes we look forward to them with great joy and we prepare. Sometimes maybe with a little bit of fear and intrepidation. Uh, we, um, our family went online a few days ago and bought some tickets in advance for Star Wars. We're going to see that this afternoon. We are really looking forward to that. We are preparing for that. We're already thinking about how we're going to schedule our meal around that event. Um, so hopefully we are prepared. And now that I've mentioned that, no one is going to hear anything else that I say. You're going to be thinking about the movie. But I can think of worse things to think about. So it's okay. I get it. Um, we um, uh, just as a, a reminder from week one, one of our calls, the ways that we prepare is we wake up and we get dressed. That's kind of a way that we begin each day. Uh, but it was a symbolic way of saying we need to wake up and realize what the reality and truth is of life around us. And we get dressed, we surround ourselves, we clothe ourselves in Christ and his love. Um, in the second week, we looked at John the Baptist, who was this one out in the wilderness. And the wilderness is not something that we would normally flock to, but we need to enter into it willingly. Um, and we talked about how solitude and silence can be a way where we are prepared for the ways that Jesus will make his way to us. And then also through baptism, uh, yes, water baptism, but also immersing ourselves so much in Christ that Christ is in us. And as we partake uh, of the elements for communion, uh, as we dip that bread in, it was a reminder that we are not only immersing ourselves in Christ, but as that juice soaked into the bread, it was a reminder that Jesus soaks into us. And it's that picture that we are prepared for him as he's uh, coming to us. And then uh, week three, uh, last week, we talked about John the Baptist again, and he was in a different wilderness. He was in prison. He was imprisoned for doing what was right and for what was good. Uh, but this led to some doubts and disenchantment and how even in times of questions, we are being prepared for the ways that Christ will come to us. God is just as present in the questions as he did, as he is in the answers. And what a, what a, what a sense of relief that can be for those of us that have a lot of questions. So as we um, enter into this fourth week, I want us to turn our thoughts towards the character of Joseph, betrothed to Mary. And what I want us to understand, uh, just say this up front, faith plays a key role as a part of our preparation. See, I, I wish that I could get so prepared that I don't need faith. Does that make sense? I wish I could be so prepared that it's just like, okay, everything, put it on autopilot. I don't have to trust anybody. This is going to happen. But faith is actually an ongoing part. And I want us to see it as a gift that God gives us. Um, he um, graciously hands us this gift of faith as we are preparing. And we are not just preparing for a day someday where we believe and we hope for Christ to come back again. I want you to know that Christ desires to break in today into your day. What if December 22nd was the day that Jesus was going to break through in a life changing way for you and for me? Are we prepared for the ways that he is desiring to come to us? Emmanuel, God with us. 
He was with us 2,000 years ago as he walked this earth. Emmanuel, God with us right here, right now. And I love that we celebrate communion. At the end of every service, we'll come together and we will remember God with us, Emmanuel and his sacrifice. So um, our call to prepare is a call to faith and it involves trusting God even in the unseen things especially in the unseen things. Um, I want to tell a story that um, I forgot to tell my wife I was going to tell this story. So um, don't all turn back and look right there um, as I tell the story. So, so we had been married uh, going on a year plus and we were uh, not getting any younger. I was not getting any younger. She's, uh, she's noticeably younger than I am. <laughs> and not even trying to catch up, which really bothers me. But uh, anyway, we decided, okay, we want to have, we want to have kids. And so we were excited at the thought of having kids, but apparently we were slow to believe that we would actually have kids because this is what happened. It was December of 2001. And um, so Beth gets up really early and does the pregnancy test thing. And she comes back to bed and she wakes me up with this huge smile on her face. She says, I took the test. And I go, yeah. And she goes, we're not pregnant. <laughs> so I was like, oh man. So I um, was very disappointed, mainly that she woke me up just to say that. <laughs> um, so we went back to sleep. And so we, uh, we get up. And as uh, we're milling around, Beth makes her way back into the bathroom where the pregnancy test was still sitting on the bathroom vanity. And, and it said pregnant. <laughs> and so she showed it to me and she's like, it said not pregnant before. And it says pregnant now. And I'm thinking, did something happen that I'm not aware of in the you know, last little bit? And, uh, and so we thought that was kind of strange. So, so we went back to the pharmacy and we bought another test. And uh, so we took a second test and uh, we, she took a second test and it was kind of a, uh, kind of a maybe, you know, <laughs> we looked at it and it was kind of, well, it didn't, it's not saying pregnant, but it's not saying not pregnant. We were having a hard time discerning actually what it was. So we went back to the pharmacy a third time and um, <laughs> Uh, third time, the same day, and this time we bought the most expensive pregnancy test that we could find at the pharmacy. We thought maybe that we were just being cheap, you know? And, uh, and so we, we get this pregnancy test, uh, we, she takes the test, and I, I did some reading of the instructions beforehand just to make sure that we were doing everything right. And it said uh, to wait three minutes before looking for the results. So I don't know if you remember this, but we, she came out of the bathroom, she left the test on the bathroom vanity, and it was like the longest three minutes of our life up to that point. And we go back in there and it was blank. The little window, totally blank. And so let me just kind of pause the story there and say, um, I have wondered how many pregnancy tests Mary and Joseph would have taken. <laughs> okay, for real, are we, are we really, I mean, I, we have this dream, this vision that we're gonna have a baby. And I wonder for Mary, um, how many pregnancy tests she would have taken and what kind of proof Joseph would have asked for. So I'm, I'm gonna come back to, that, the, to, to our story here in just a minute. But I want us to look at this Matthew 1 passage that Larry and Susanna read for us. And, and we'll just kind of walk back through it and I'm gonna pull out a couple of uh, 
couple of points that I think will help us in understanding how faith plays such a key role in, in our journey. Uh, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And I love that spirit, it can be interpreted as wind or breath. And so she was impregnated by the holy breath of God, just as God breathed life into Adam, as he breathed into the dust that he had formed and he gave life to Adam. The Holy Spirit, the holy breath has, um, has breathed into Mary. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, it, it's going to help us to kind of understand culturally what has taken place. Culturally, for Mary and Joseph, there were three kind of stages that led up to and included marriage. And it's a lot different than what we think about. When we think of engagement, we think of um, just the, you know, some big event where the guy um, gets down on one knee or he has it on a screen at a, at a sporting event because there's nothing more romantic than that. Um, but uh, so what I want us to understand the three steps. And the first one is engagement. But let me describe what this is. Um, engagement in that day meant that your parents had arranged who you were going to marry. Okay, good news. All right. Um, and uh, this engagement period was long enough for this young boy and young girl to reach an age where they were mature enough and ready to take the next step, which was betrothal. So the thing that I want you to remember here is this was an arranged marriage. So I want to ask, I want to ask a question of our students, and then I want to ask a, a different question for our adults, and I'm going to give you a chance to talk about it. For the students, if you had to let someone pick who you would marry, who would you trust to do that? If you had to pick someone who was going to pick who you were going to spend the rest of your life with, who would you trust the most with that? And for uh, the rest of us in the room, did you ever feel pressure from your parents or from someone to get married or to marry someone in particular? And what was that like? So it turned, and that may have been someone that you did marry. It may have been, that may have been the reason that you didn't marry them because your parents wanted you to, okay? You rebel, you. Uh, but go ahead and turn to the people around you and uh, discuss one of those two, two questions. Students, yeah. what, uh, what kind of, if you had to pick someone, who would you trust to pick who you were going to marry? Hello? Yes. Oh, my sister. Your sister. Okay. Can I ask why? Is there any particular reason? Um, I trust her the most. Trust her the most. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is it because you could get her back if she picked somebody you didn't like? Is that maybe, yeah. Probably, okay. yeah. That's good. All right. Anybody else? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you snapping in the, in the balcony. Jack. You would, you would pick, okay, your brother. You would let Jack pick that, okay. But not your dad. Okay. Okay, all right. Then we trust her brother and sisters to Yeah. 
You really? Okay. So you trust your siblings? That's good. Parents are out. I see. Gotcha. All right. Now, from our adult side of the question, did anybody? Oh, who would you trust? Yeah, there we go. Way to set an example for everybody else. Yes. <laughs> We're going to check back and see how... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, adults, any of you, did you feel pressure from someone? And how, how, what was that like? Cashy. That was really pressure to be with someone. Culture, you know, Spanish man. Okay. Didn't go very well. Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my family wanted me to marry someone that, if not Cuban, at least Spanish. Okay. And oh, that did not go very well. Okay. All right. No. no. Yeah. So. Bill, how are you? How are you dealing with that today? Is that, is that okay? Yeah. yeah. I, I knew it, but I was being vouched for by uh, awesome. my. Okay. Uh, Cuban second mother. <laughs> okay, yes. All right. Anybody else? <laughs> that's, that's worth a mic. Say that again. Yeah. My dad was always bringing home these really nerdy guys. So they were such a great catch, and I'm going, no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had the same father. Yeah. Um, but. Um, all through high school, he's pushing us to get ready for college. All through college, he's concerned that we ever get in a, he doesn't want us to get into too deep a relationship because he wants us to finish college. Okay, all of a sudden at the end of college, he says, okay, when are you getting married? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as you get married, you know, when are you having kids? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I want us to keep in mind that Mary and Joseph, they probably did know each other or their families knew each other. Um, so there is this arranged marriage, yet there is still, uh, contrary to what maybe we would think in our culture, there was still a, a really strong connect. Joseph clearly loved Mary, and we can see that in the way that he responded. And more on that in just a second. So the first stage, as I said, was engagement. It's an arrangement by the, uh, by the parents, and it could last quite a while. Um, betrothal is the second stage, and that typically lasts a year. And here's what would uh, take place. In that year, um, they would consider themselves uh, betrothed and engaged. And if they were going to break it off, it's almost like we would view marriage. You would have to um, issue a statement, a paper, for divorce, that's how serious they took betrothal, um, and this is the uh, this is the stage that um, Mary was in when she became pregnant. Now, what's important to know in this in this stage is um, though it is that committed of a relationship that they would consider it a divorce if they separated. Um, they are they have not consummated their marriage, and they are not living under the same roof. In fact, what has taken place at this point is the groom is preparing a place for his bride, which is a beautiful picture when Jesus says in Scripture, I go to prepare a place for you. He says that to his bride, the church. He is saying, I am going away to prepare a home for you. So it was a, it was a, it was a metaphor that people could really relate to. 
in that day. And so Joseph is in the process of building a house, of of preparing a place for he and Mary to live. Um, Up to this point, they have lived, they still live with their parents. They've not consummated their relationship. And Joseph finds out that Mary has become pregnant. And that leads to the third stage, not the pregnancy, but the third stage uh, would be marriage, which is where they consummate uh, cons- the marriage and then they move into the same house. And that's uh, the, the final stage. Now, it, it took some digging, but I found, uh, I found Joseph's profile on eHarmony. And uh, I would like to read that to you. Uh, this is very... Uh, very biblically accurate, of course, um, with all the uh, digging that I did. Uh, So this is what he had to say. Hey, ladies, interested in fulfilling prophecy? (laughs) Good opening line. (laughs) This is where you can laugh. Okay. All right. Uh, I am a SHM, a single Hebrew male with olive skin and an olive grove, circumcised on the eighth day of the lineage of David, a real man's man who enjoys woodworking, but also loves quoting Song of Solomon and long walks along the Dead Sea. (laughs) Praying for a Virgo, (laughs) love kids would consider adopting, seeking betrothal and eventually marriage to orthodox single Hebrew female who loves cavelling, kvetching, and kanishas. If interested, have your parents contact my parents. (laughs) You're welcome. You're like, I I drove through the rain for that. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, On a real serious note, Joseph was like any other guy who had in his mind the way that it was going to unfold, that he was going to someday be engaged and betrothed and married, and he would be able to continue his family line. And uh, things did not work out the way that Joseph thought they were going to work out. Obviously, they didn't for, for Mary either. So what he decides to do, he's got a couple of options, but what he decides to do is he is going to divorce her quietly um, to try and uh, just protect her reputation as much as he can until verse 20. But after he had considered this, this uh, divorce, Um, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus, Yeshua, means salvation. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so what what Matthew is doing in recording this part for us is he is showing us how how Jesus, the Messiah, is going to be fully God and fully man. He's fully God. He has the power to save people. His very name, by naming him Yeshua, salvation. It's this picture of he is indeed um, uh, fully God. And then Emmanuel, he's God with us. He comes down to this earth and lives as one of us, fully God, fully man. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So uh, 
Joseph had a couple of options going into this. According to Old Testament law, it would have been perfectly fine for him to make a big to-do of this and to bring her before um, the people and say she has been unfaithful, which actually could have led to, and it was very, by this time it was very uncommon, but it she would have been, could have been subjected to even stoning or some type of very severe punishment. Um, the, the next option was, as I said, and this was the one that Joseph had first considered, um, I'm going to divorce her quietly, and protect her reputation. Um, but what I want us to see here is there is a, there is a word that, um, uh, well, God had a third option. For Joseph, and that was that was the key, and that was Joseph was obedient. Um, so back to Beth and I and our pre- pregnancy test saga. And at this point, we're, we we were kind of wondering. I was just going to say this: if we can't read a pregnancy test, maybe we're not ready to be parents. Uh, that's a very good chance that uh, that we're not. So, so the third test. Um, we take the third test, we go back in after that uh, th- three minute wait, and we look and the little uh, display window is completely blank. And we were trying to figure out how it could be blank and we were frustrated and we were confused. And so I pull out the instructions again, it's gotten that bad. I'm reading instructions and uh, I'm looking at it and I noticed that the window on the instructions, the little reveal window is a different shape and size than the one that's on the pregnancy test. So I reach down, I turn it over. We were looking at the wrong side the whole time and it very clearly says, we are having a baby. who is, is maybe in this room right now. So, um, so it was in turning it over, and then we, we laughed, and like I said, we really questioned if we were ready. <laughs> Verse 20, Joseph, after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. After he had considered this is literally translated as to revolve in the mind, to mull things over, to turn things over. Joseph turned things over in his mind. He took what would have been a natural response. She's betrayed me and I'm upset. He took what was a very kind response and turned it over, a kind response of, I'm going to divorce her quietly. Um, he turned it over. Joseph had a plan, but it was kind of based on a, a very human and limited perspective. And he remained open to turning it over to what God's perspective was. Can you see the faith that this takes? This type of openness to respond to God's plan. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. So it's a reminder that even with faith, we still wake up, we get dressed, and we have to respond. We have to participate. We have to play our part in in living this out. Um, Faith will require something of us and probably more than we think we are capable of. That's usually how faith plays out. It will require something of us. And that something is oftentimes more than what we are thinkable, uh, uh, we would consider ourselves able to do on our own. Um, Thomas Merton, um, 
wrote uh, several books, one of them Thoughts in Solitude, and this quote is very um, stirring, challenging. Sooner or later, if we follow Christ, we have to risk everything in order to gain everything. We have to gamble on the invisible and risk all that we see and taste and feel, but we know the risk is worth it because there is nothing more insecure than this transient world. What is the everything that you hope to gain that is going to first require the faith of relinquishing, risking everything that you have? What is it that faith is calling you to? When you find yourself at a crossroads, um, we're like Joseph and we have options. And those options may be like a perfectly understandable option. Nobody's going to blame you. It could be a really kind option, kind of surprising, but way to go. Or it could be that God is saying there's this third way and I want you to consider this. I want this to revolve in your mind. I want you to turn this over and consider this faith step. We turn it over when we take it to God in prayer and we invite God to share with us his answer. We turn it over when we lay it at God's feet and we say, I don't have to be in control of the outcome. God, I want to do as you would instruct me to do. We turn it over so that we can see things from God's perspective. And one of the, uh, one of the things that strikes me too in this passage is that as parents, um, what Joseph modeled in this, I wonder what kind of impact this had on Jesus as he heard these stories as a young boy. One of the things that we have an opportunity to do, not just as parents, um, this is a great opportunity and also a daunting um, challenge, and that is that we can set an example for our kids. If you don't have kids, there is someone who is looking at you, sees the example of your life, um, someone that is following you. So I want us to consider what, what did Joseph model that was later mirrored by Jesus? And then I want us to uh, um, gather around the table for our time of communion. First of all, I want us to see that Joseph was a buffer. Joseph positioned himself to be a buffer. By remaining with Mary, he became a buffer between his bride and the accusations of a very judgmental community. Um, by staying with her, um, he was helping uh, as a buffer and a shield between the scorn, the social stigma. Uh, he said, I don't want you to have to bear that alone. I am going to stay with you in this. He becomes a buffer. Jesus grew up and he became a buffer for us. Jesus stands between his bride, the church, the family of God, and he is our buffer between us and the accusations of an enemy. There is an enemy that is accusing you. There is an enemy that ridicules you. And he is saying, you are not worthy of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I want to be a buffer for you in that. I am sticking with you. This is not, um, your choices are not going to be something that you alone bear by yourself. I'm going to be a buffer. And we also see that Joseph, not only was he a buffer, as Jesus was, Joseph was willing to risk everything for God's will. Um, God the Father gave him as an earthly father a challenge, and it was going to be very risky. And he took that um, 
He took that risk, risking everything for God's will. And we read in Mark 14, one of many examples where Jesus willingly risked everything to turn it over for the Father's will. In Mark 14, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He was greatly distressed and troubled because he knew in the next few hours what was going to be taking place, um, giving up his life. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. In other words, Jesus turned it over and he said, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus grew up and the gospel is marked time and time again by Jesus' willingness to risk everything for the Father's will. Sooner or later, we have to risk everything in order to gain everything. When we gather for communion week in and week out, we are remembering that Jesus risked even death so that we could gain everything. He risked his life so that we could experience life. And I want us to, um, to kind of shift into uh, just preparation for receiving the elements. And I will say um, we have uh, twice as many elements. And so we're going to form two lines for, for this. We're still going to have you come down the middle. Uh, we've got some of our students that are going to be standing behind me here with those. And um, you'll be making your way up. But I want you to just think about those things as you are standing in, in line for communion. The ways that he is a buffer for you that he has not abandoned you, and the fact that he has risked everything. And we can celebrate that he risked everything so that we could gain everything. And I've got a, a prayer that um, I'm going to, I'm not asking you to echo it back, but I want you to read along with it. It's going to be on the screen. And as this, as parts of this uh, may resonate with you, um, I just agree with this. And this can also be something that you are turning over in your mind, that you are reflecting on as uh, we come forward in just a moment for communion. Great risk-taking God, forgive us for wishing for a safe life that does not require faith. Instead, Father, we accept faith as a grace gift from you. As we receive communion this morning, we are showing that we have placed our faith in the saving work of Christ on the cross. As we receive communion this morning, we are expressing our gratitude for Jesus as our buffer from the accusations of the enemy, accusations that say we are not worthy. As we receive communion this morning, we are agreeing that we have turned things over. Yes, we have turned our entire lives over to the God who is with us. As we receive communion this morning, we are identifying with a life of risk and sacrifice. May we approach these elements with humility and boldness. Amen. <laughs> 